A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute Heretics Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Been very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 115. I'm your host, Norm The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So The Master's Dog podcast, as I uh, try not to do two things at once. Stop multitasking. The Master's Dog podcast is a podcast which I deal with uh, false teachers, false doctrines, false gospels, false gods, false Christ. Anything that anything that comes against God's truth uh, is in an attack. As the quote from John Calvin at the beginning of the introduction video says, I bark. And that is what this podcast is. It started out as Faith and Beliefs Refuted, where I was responding to all of the uh, videos put out by the Saints Unscripted podcast, a different, a new segment that they started called Faith and Beliefs. And they started with the LDS Articles of Faith, and that's what drew me in, is I was like, I want to respond to these and show how they don't line up with biblical Christianity. They went on beyond just the Articles of Faith, so I committed to respond to every video that they made. And sometimes I've regretted that commitment, but I have stuck to that commitment. So every Faith and Beliefs video that you find on the Saints Unscripted webpage, you will find a response to that in the Master's Dog playlist. So... And then after a while, I started responding to other false teachers and so on. Um, It also spurred a a spinoff podcast of this called The False Teacher of the Week, which I do every Saturday. And um, so again, that's the background. That's when I changed the name from Faith and Beliefs Refuted to uh, The Master's Dog. So there's your background. For those of you who are new, we do have some new subscribers Um, And I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys who have already subscribed and shared and liked. And that is what made Mr. Algorithm send this video, these videos out to more people who might be interested and watch the subscriber count climb. So uh, still trying to get to that 200. I had hit it and then dropped back down to 199. So that's where we're at right now. 199 subscribers on the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube. I would love to see that go a little bit higher And you guys sharing and liking and subscribing will help all that happen. So thank you again for those who watch these videos regularly. Um, I owe it to you even the the little bit of a following that this podcast has gained. So we are going to jump right back into responding to the Saints Unscripted Faith and Belief segment of the podcast. And um, This one is another one of those. I haven't even actually watched this video in its entirety. Usually I'll watch the videos that they do two or three times to respond. But this is going to be another one of those that I'm like, "Eh, if I hadn't committed, 
I probably wouldn't respond because this is just going to be a whole lot of history that comes out from this. And the questioning behind it is what is Zion's camp? So we are going to let David do what David do. We're going to jump in and let him describe to us what Zion's camp is. And then, uh, as we always do, we'll just respond as God leads to respond. So here we go. Hey guys, so on February 24th, 1834, Lyman White and Parley P. Pratt arrived in Kirtland, Ohio with an unfortunate update about the Latter-day Saints in Jackson County, Missouri. The update was that there weren't any saints in Jackson County anymore. Persecution had escalated to the point where mobs had attacked and forced the saints from their lands. Homes had been pillaged and burned. Some men had been beaten, tarred and feathered. Women and children fled across the frozen prairie, their trail marked by the blood of their lacerated feet. Long story short, the saints needed help. Appealing to local authorities didn't do much good, as many of them were members of the mob. The Lord had revealed that this land in Missouri would be a promised land, a land of Zion for the Latter-day Saint people. And now, Zion was lost. In response to these injustices, Joseph Smith received a revelation which instructed leaders to rally together a force to make the journey over to Jackson County to redeem Zion, to provide aid and restore the scattered saints to their lands. And it's that expedition known as Zion's Camp or the Camp of Israel that we're going to talk about today. So again, with that, last week they talked about the Jackson County, Missouri and so on. What the... The conclusion for that is it proved more that Joseph Smith was a false prophet. I mean, there are tragedies that were happening. People died. This never should have happened. They should not have tried to force these people out of their homes and so on. It was, it was a, a tragedy um, and a travesty that, that any of this happened, but it proved that Joseph Smith is a false prophet. And again, just the statement that is made there, that God revealed to Joseph that he should get a, a group together to go back in and redeem this land. Well, we know today that land was never redeemed, was never reclaimed by the Mormons, and it did not turn out to be the Zion that uh, Joseph Smith claimed God told him it would be. More false prophecy, or does God just not know what he's doing? All right, so the plan was not for Zion's camp to charge into Missouri guns blazing. Anyway, I started blasting. Bah, bah. Missouri Governor Daniel Dunklin had previously committed to calling out the state militia in order to protect the saints as they returned to their lands. Zion's camp would assist in protecting the saints, especially after the militia would eventually need to leave. About 200 men volunteered for the expedition, less than half the number that was hoped for. Less than half of what I'd hoped for. Zion's camp set out from Ohio at the beginning of May 1834. It was a journey of over 800 miles one way. They would march from the wee hours of the morning until late afternoon or evening, and then they'd have to set up camp, cook, and drill. 
Emotions ran high. I'm not gonna eat this mess! George A. Smith wrote, Most of the men in the camp complained to Joseph of sore toes, blistered feet, long drives, scanty supply of provisions, poor quality of bread, bad corn dodger, frowsy butter, strong honey, maggoty bacon and cheese. If they had to camp with bad water, it would nearly cause rebellion. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Yet, we were the camp of Zion. Joseph had to bear with us and tutor us like children. Brigham Young summarized it well. We had grumblers in that camp. On June 3rd, Joseph delivered an ominous prophecy. I said the Lord had revealed to me that a scourge would come upon the camp in consequence of the fractious and unruly spirits that appeared among them, and they should die like sheep with the rot. Still, if they would repent and humble themselves before the Lord, the scourge in a great measure might be turned away. But as the Lord lives, the members of this camp will suffer for giving way to their unruly temper. On June 12th, Orson Hyde and Parley P. Pratt were sent to coordinate with Governor Dunklin. Okay, so here's something that Joseph Smith was very, apparently very fond of doing. Joseph Smith used revelation from God as threat. He did it to Emma when polygamy was instituted. Emma, if you don't do what your husband wants you to do here and accept these other wives, you will be destroyed basically. Um, and now he's doing the same thing with these people in this camp. To And, and the only way he could control uh, attitudes and people is to make threats and use God as as his, uh, his threat against those people. And make sure he would stay true to his word to call out the state militia to help the scattered saints. They arrived back at camp a few days later with bad news. I think I'm gonna have a heart attack and die from that surprise. We had an interview with the governor who readily acknowledged the justice of the demand but frankly told us he dare not attempt the execution of the laws in that respect for fearing of deluging the whole country in civil war and bloodshed. He advised us to relinquish our rights for the sake of peace. We shall Zion's camp pressed on. By June 19th, Zion's camp was only about 10 miles away from the main body of scattered saints. Joseph's journal reports, This night we camped on an elevated piece of land between Little Fishing and Big Fishing rivers. As we halted and were making preparations for the night, five men armed with guns rode into our camp and told us we should see hell before morning. They told us that 60 men were coming from Richmond, Ray County, and 70 more from Clay County to join the Jackson County mob of about 200 additional men who had sworn our utter destruction. That night, the attack on Zion's camp was foiled by a terrible storm that peppered the mob with hail and made the river impassable. For now, Zion's camp was spared, but there were still consequences on the horizon for their murmuring. One of those consequences was Doctrine and Covenants 105, which taught that Zion cannot be built up unless it is by the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. But because of the camp's disobedience, they were instructed to wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. They gave this... So again, recognizing that the first prophecy was not able to be, was not going to be fulfilled, you get these because the, if you read the first prophecy, you read the the Book of Mormon, and I wish I had grabbed mine. And um, here it is. Let's see if we can find it real quick. And uh, failed prophecy, House of the Lord, Angel of Light, Second Coming, 
I believe it is Temple in Missouri. So here is the first prophecy. Uh, Hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord God, who have assembled yourselves together according to my commandments in the land, which is the land of Missouri, which is the land which I have appointed and consecrated for the gathering of the saints. Wherefore, this is the land of the promise and the place of this for the city of Zion. No conditions there at all. No conditions there. It is just, I'm giving this to you. And then, suddenly, when it didn't look like it was not going to happen, that's when the conditions became, uh, were put into place. Scattered saints what supplies they could, but the saints would not be restored to their lands at this time. The change of plans was understandably disappointing and frustrating to many of the men. We came all this way to turn around and go home? Yes. But wait, there's more. Wilfred Woodruff, another member of the camp, wrote, Several of the brethren murmured and found fault. Joseph prophesied that a scourge would come upon the camp, and it came in the form of cholera. Joseph wrote that June 24th was the night the cholera burst forth among us. By the end of it all, 13 members of Zion's camp were dead. After the worst was over, Joseph disbanded Zion's camp. Some men stayed to join the Missouri Saints and help them get back on their feet. Most returned to their families in Ohio. The initial plan was for the Saints to continue gathering in Clay County until they could regain their lands in Jackson County. But tensions began to run high in Clay County, so the Missouri and later the Kirtland Saints relocated to a piece of Missouri they could call their very own, Far West. And if you want to learn more about how well that turned out, check out this episode. Zion's camp failed to restore the saints to their lands, but it gave the 28-year-old Joseph Smith the chance to get to know these men on a deeper level. He saw firsthand who handled the refining fire of adversity well and who did not. The next year, nine out of the 12 men called to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and all 70 men called to the Quorum of the Seventy were men who had marched with Zion's camp. Brigham Young later said, I would not exchange the experience I gained in that expedition for all the wealth of Geauga County. This was the starting point of my knowing how to lead Israel. In Salt Lake City in 1869, Apostle Wilford Woodruff taught that at Zion's camp, we gained an experience that we never could have gained in any other way. Had I not gone up with Zion's camp, I should not have been here today. That's Zion's camp. If you want to learn more, check out the resources in the YouTube description and have a great day. All right, so there you go. There is just the history behind what is Zion's camp. But the reality of it is, is it just shows more and more the, what's the word I'm looking, the desperate nature of how Joseph Smith would use Revelation. And quite often the prophecies, I mean, I think if you take at a stretch, you can take five prophecies from within the, the Doctrine and Covenants that Joseph Smith made. There may be five, and maybe a couple, I'd, I'd have to look at the list. There's a couple of them that are in here, but most of them are, are just outside of this. But not many of the prophecies in here, maybe two or three, at a stretch of the imagination, can you claim that they were fulfilled? Most of them failed. Many of them failed. I mean, if you look through here, you get uh, false prophecy from Joseph Smith, um, in Doctrine and Covenants 28, you get false prophecy about James Coville. You get uh, Civil War prophecy, false prophecy. The Temple in uh, Far West. You get the 
uh, land of Missouri. All these things are false prophecies. Temple in Missouri. All these things are, are prophecies that Joseph made that were, were failures. And you can see as he would, he would use them as threats to control people, and he, which is why people call the LDS church a cult. Um, is it a cult today? I, I don't think I would call it a cult as it doesn't, sit, doesn't qualify with all the cult-like behaviors today, but it definitely started out as one with a very charismatic cult-like leader who did all kinds of things to control people, including threats, threatening prophecies, saying God is going to do this if you don't do that. And so it just showed the, the desperate nature of how Joseph Smith would use prophecy and then fail in those prophecies in order to try to get people to do what it is that he required them to do. So um, there you go, guys, a little bit of the history of, of Mormonism, Zion's camp, and how that reflects upon uh, when you look at it through the lens of a biblical worldview, through the lens of true biblical Christianity. So thanks for watching again, please. If you haven't already hit that subscribe button, hit that like button here, that hit that share button. And let's just see how many uh, more subscribers we can get to come along and join uh, up on the Evangelical Norm channel. And as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.